0: This pod's a special one. We have a truly amazing guest today, Dr. Sharif El-Nahal, who's the president and CEO of University Hospital right here in Newark. He's had the experience of leading New Jersey's only publicly owned hospital during the pandemic, which has given him a really unique perspective, in my opinion, on how to conduct yourself as a leader during a time of crisis, while successfully adapting and working through all the challenges our frontline workers and healthcare professionals have, uh, have had to overcome during the coronavirus crisis. Before he became University Hospital CEO, Dr. served as New Jersey's 21st Commissioner of Health in the administration of Governor Phil Murphy, and was appointed by President Barack Obama as a White House Fellow to the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Dr. also holds a bachelor's degree in biophysics from John Hopkins and a doctorate of medicine from Harvard Medical School. Clearly, Dr. resume speaks for itself. He has years of experience and expertise as a leader in the healthcare space, and we're really excited for the chance to speak with him today. So let's get started.
1: I can't imagine you know, being a CEO during a global pandemic, uh, especially at a, at a hospital where you, know, you have a ton of work that it seems like you're doing uh, to move things forward. What have you seen as, uh, as a leader and what has been something that you've learned during the experience of the last few months?
2: Well, uh, Sam, it, it's really been one of the most difficult times you can imagine in healthcare, And we've seen things over the last uh, several months that we never thought we would have to see uh, in healthcare. care. Uh, the idea of a pandemic was very much a conceptual one. Uh, the pandemic plans that governments and uh, jurisdictions had were uh, old, if existed at all. Uh, And certainly at the institutional level, at hospitals and, um, you know, other institutions that take care of patients, uh, we just weren't prepared. And so uh, you also really can't find anybody who's alive uh, who has gone through a pandemic successfully. And that's a really important point to make. It's been uh, a century since this has happened. And so anybody who claims to have the right answer at any given juncture Uh, is either misleading uh, or uh, sort of not understanding uh, the moment they're in. Uh, To make mistakes is part of the process of never having gone through something before. And the best way to conduct uh, yourself as a leader is to continuously learn and adapt and change and approach your job in a time of crisis with humility. And so um, just to paint the picture of what we were seeing, I was walking around the hospital at all shifts during the worst of this surge. And um, again, we saw things that we had never seen before in healthcare patients, uh, multiple patients on a ventilator and our ED at any one time. Uh, the fact that we had to retrofit parts of the hospital uh, and use the same staff because we didn't have enough staff otherwise to uh, treat these very sick patients. For example, on our mother baby unit, we had uh, nurses who were used to caring for women who had just given birth now being asked to care for someone with severe shortness of breath on oxygen, on the cusp of needing a ventilator. And I'll never forget a conversation I had with uh, one of the mother baby nurses when uh, she basically just looked at me and said, I have 10 patients uh, with the disease uh, and, uh, that I've never cared for before and with a severe condition that I've never had to address before. Um, And, you know, the sort of desperate way in which she told me that will always be etched in my memory. Um, And the best thing we could do as leaders was to be present, was to literally bring boxes of PPE to the bedside uh, to make sure that our communication was swift and strong and, um, you know, that we were soliciting feedback at every step of the way. And that when we found that something wasn't working, uh, being humble enough and insightful enough to change it rapidly and try something new. Uh, and so the combination of approaching your job as a leader with humility, but also taking quick action to uh, fix things that weren't working and communicating incessantly throughout the process really helped us get through this.
1: Yeah, I can't, I can't imagine, um, you know, when I think about so many companies that have struggled to keep their workforce connected during COVID. You know, So many businesses have been work from home and that is obviously not the case uh, at University Hospital. Uh, what, I guess from, from your seat as a leader, how do you keep everybody, uh, how, how, did, what, how did you keep everybody connected and together um, over the last few months?
2: Well, it really gets to uh, the necessity of making sure that communication is clear, frequent, redundant, and is happening at levels that you've never had to use before. Um, I was doing town hall week, um, giving updates on the pandemic, the number of patients we had, the projections on the number of patients we were going to get. Uh, our status with PPE going line by line, every type of PPE, so that folks understood and weren't surprised when uh, we asked them, for example, to uh, begin submitting their N95 masks for sterilization uh, because we were running low in uh, certain types of masks. Uh, We had to get ahead of that bad news because um, if you don't and you show up to work thinking that you're going to have a certain type of PPE, especially when Uh, you're dealing with a disease that's so deadly Uh, to find that out at the moment is uh, very demoralizing and so uh, even though we still had folks that uh, weren't getting messages here and there i'm proud to say that we were staying ahead of uh, updates and making sure people were informed and by doing that uh, there was a forum that where we brought people together very deliberately every week with these town halls uh, where folks were able to ask their questions uh, even if the question was very much one that uh, caught us off guard or uh, highlighted a vulnerability in terms of our response, we welcomed that and we made sure that people were comfortable in expressing those issues. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to address the problems. And so um, having facilitated communication, making sure that huddles were happening at the uh, unit level uh, on a regular basis and reliably, uh, those things really helped us stay together. And I should mention, Sam, that as a level one trauma center and as a hospital that's gone through tragedies and crises in the past, uh, September 11th, uh, Superstorm Sandy, um, you know the Ebola issue, when we had the uh, one patient with Ebola who had traveled or suspected of possible Ebola exposure, I should say, who traveled from Africa, um, that person was here. Uh, we've been through crises before and are used to operating in times of emergency, Uh, but not every hospital uh, is the same way. And so it's important to understand that not taking uh, our robust experience with emergency management for granted uh, and really emphasizing communication uh, really helped us come together.
1: Do, Do you think that tough times expose leadership?
2: I think absolutely. Um, leadership can't hide in a time of crisis, um, and if leadership is hiding, they're not doing their job. Um, the uh, time of anxiety that people have, especially when they're putting themselves in the line just by virtue of coming to work, um, people look to the leader for guidance, for comfort, uh, for a sense of confidence, and um, I had to be here. I had to be present. Uh, I had to be in front of issues, even when I didn't know the answer, I had to be humble enough to admit that. Um, and I think, actually, and paradoxically, exposing your own vulnerability as a leader can be one of the most important things you do in a time of crisis because nobody realistically expects you to be ahead of everything and get everything right. Um, you know, by definition, people's expectations are lowered in uh, a time of crisis because it's a time of uncertainty for everybody. Uh, But being honest and being transparent gets you the trust you need to come together and take action effectively. And, um, you know, we did that and um, I'm happy to say that I think it had good results, uh, but it can feel nerve wracking to expose vulnerability as a leader and to say that you don't know something or that there isn't a clear plan. Uh, But uh, folks tend to know the answer to that anyway, and uh, coming to the fore with the truth and, with uh, a accurate and clear picture of what's happening, is the first step. I'll also say that um, you know crises are a time, especially during this pandemic, where chances are a lot of folks are experiencing grief. And we had uh, over we had ten people uh, in our workforce die of COVID nineteen. Um, and every time that happened, we didn't try to hide the news. We didn't try to sweep it under the rug. Uh, we announced it every week. And we came together in a moment of silence uh, to recognize their service. And, um, you know, it's reasonable, um, if uh, incorrect, uh, but it's certainly rational for leadership and for organizations to want to uh, protect information when uh, things are, aren't going well. And by definition, things aren't going well during a crisis. Um, but uh, to, to have done that, I think, would have been really demoralizing for the organization, especially when it came to deaths and illnesses. Um, and with permission of family, we uh, grieved together. We celebrated uh, folks who came off of ventilators and came back to work and recovered. Um, we talked about the good and the bad during the crisis. And uh, I think that's really helped bring us together even more to your previous question. But also, um, it is helping us manage the problems that have lingered. We have a lot of staff who had post-traumatic stress, uh, who have post-traumatic stress, I should say, and um, the symptoms of PTSD related to, um, you know, fears of another surge happening or a second wave. All of that is very real. And instead of trying to hide those issues, we've been very upfront about encouraging people to uh, reach out for help because if people are not um, uh, addressing those issues upfront, uh, that is putting themselves at risk and it's putting the organization at risk because we assume that we have a fully compensated staff ready to come to work and ready to meet the next challenge. But if that's not the case, uh, we need to be there to support everybody in our organization. So um, a lot uh, involved here with, um, you know, addressing the spiritual and emotional and uh, mental health well-being of our staff, but it's something we've had to stay ahead of, and we'll continue to stay ahead of.
1: Sure, I, mean, I can't. I can't imagine in, in your environment, and it makes me think about, you know, from just even my business and some of the other companies and leaders we've had that we have talked to. Just uh, they're fighting, you know, in a similar way to keep their employees motivated and connected and together while at home. Um, but it's just a totally different uh, scenario on the front line with what you're 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 describing. When when trying to talk about you know talking about future of work, you know I can imagine you know the initiatives that you're undertaking uh, are super exciting to read about at University Hospital, and I think that the city of Newark and the community company I'm you know excited to be able to be a neighbor. And uh, what what have you? What have you learned about the community uh, through the pandemic? What have you learned about being a business in a community? And I bring that up beyond just healthcare, but there's so many companies are uh, moving back to the urban core or trying to connect from a responsible manner with their communities and having hopes of doing so. You know, being with all the work happening at University Hospital, what have you learned about um, the role that? we can play in connecting with communities as businesses and leaders?
2: Well, what this crisis has shown is that you really live or die by those relationships with community leaders. And uh, I'll just give a few examples. Uh, I spent my first year here really trying to build trust and build relationships in the city of Newark. And uh, that started uh, for me with uh, making sure that I met the mayor and his team and that we were uh, in lockstep with, uh, priorities that we had for this hospital. This is an anchor for the city of York and for us to be on a similar wavelength was really important to me. He's been nothing but open arms and in fact he has a seat on our board now. Uh, the city does and that helps us uh, remain accountable to people who live here, the residents, uh, but it also a very useful sounding board for initiatives that we want to undertake and it really spearheaded from there. I mean, um, you know, all the elected officials: Senator Ruiz, Senator Rice, uh, Assemblywoman Pinter Marin, Assemblywoman Spate, um, and you know, the whole complement of leaders here in the city of Newark, um, uh, City Council—incredible leaders here who want this hospital to succeed and, um, you know, have deep and meaningful connections with the faith-based community and with community organizations. Those relationships were invested in in advance, and as a result. Uh, we were able to spread the messages we needed to during the worst of this crisis about staying home and being responsible uh, and wearing masks and heeding all the public health advice uh, that direct uh, that we needed to in order to not have to reach points in our hospital where we had to ration care. We didn't have to reach that point. We came close. Um, and it just goes to show the precipice that uh, New Jersey hospitals we're facing um, at such a desperate time, but those community connections allowed us through channels of trust to influence the right behavior and convince folks that they needed to follow these directives. And as a result, uh, everybody who needed care, the most vulnerable who couldn't uh, prevent themselves from getting COVID, were able to receive uh, top-notch care here, uh, regardless of race, ethnicity, Um, And uh, we know that this uh, disease has disproportionately hit cities like Newark and minority communities and black and brown residents. Uh, But as soon as they came through our doors, we're proud to say that we had similar outcomes across race and ethnicity. Um, And uh, that didn't happen by accident. I think uh, folks uh, got uh, hand hand in hand with us in the response. That really uh, made all the difference. Now, these connections and these relationships will be even more important in the next step. We're going to be asking people on a prolonged basis to continue following these directives, uh, but also to eventually take a vaccine to adopt a vaccine that goes through rigorous clinical study and is ultimately approved by the FDA. And we know the data showing that um, confidence in vaccines is at an all time low, especially for COVID-19 and particularly low for um, black and brown residents. And so We need to, understanding that a vaccine will be one of the most important tools we have for getting back to anything that resembles a normal life pre-COVID, we're going to have to, again, amplify the messages once an FDA-approved, legitimately safe and effective vaccine is available for us to leverage those connections. So uh, making those relationships when times are good is the hallmark of leadership responsibility because at a time of crisis you you do not want to be getting to know the community for the first time.
1: How do you think COVID is going to impact work even beyond a vaccine?
2: Yeah, permanently impact work in a lot of ways. I mean even in healthcare, uh, a lot of folks are realizing that work from home is not only possible but um, it's effective. People can do their work uh, well and even better sometimes clinically, the way we deliver care uh, is moving more, much more toward telehealth, which again has its actual advantages in many ways. A primary care doctor or a uh, mental health professional being able to see living conditions uh, of someone or their family dynamics, all of these things are important and give you that extra level of insight um, into a patient's experience. Of course, there are times when folks have to come in for various things such as test studies and getting a physical exam, but it's amazing how much we've discovered and um, realized that we can do at scale um, on a a virtual basis. So uh, virtual work and understanding that people can be productive at home uh, as tough as it is for them, uh, knowing that a lot of folks have children and, um, you know, uh, home can be a distracting environment for a lot of reasons, but um, even within healthcare, I do think that work from home and Uh, virtual care are going to persist as they should have been. Uh, One of the silver linings of this is uh, really forcing everyone to get on the same page with technology. The healthcare industry has uh, been embarrassingly behind with utilizing technology for things that are very intuitive.
1: And just as I, even just talking to you, it makes me think about just the reality of as you think about work um, so much of um, you know, the mindset of employees matter when they show up. And I think so much about the pandemic is, uh, the best leaders have been forced to really consider what's, what's happening in the mind of, the, of their employees, regardless of where they are. I have one final question for you, doctor, before we, before we wrap. Uh, what's your hope for the future of work? As you consider, you know, where we're going, what's your hope?
2: My hope for the future of work is that however it evolves um, in terms of formats and expectations and you know, the degree to which people work from home, uh, that we don't lose the uh, human connection behind work. Uh, the effectiveness of a team really depends on um, you know trust within that team. And I'd hate to see um, the evolving formats of work Uh, negatively impact how people define teams and how people experience teams Uh, because I really think that uh, innovation is really built on relationships made at work and fostered and cultivated. And uh, I don't think that's insurmountable with work from home. What we do need, though, are innovations that uh, prioritize that. Uh, We know how uh, loneliness, depression, um, you know, can negatively impact productivity and And uh, isolation at home may be a precipitant for those things getting worse. Uh, But more importantly, the camaraderie that folks normally uh, are able to establish with in-person work uh, needs to be replicated somehow uh, with the way we evolve. And I I just say that from personal experience in our hospital where we had peer-to-peer support program that helped people get through post-traumatic stress. We had psychosocial support services that our own mental health department was giving to our own employees. Uh, We had uh, virtual chaplaincy services because a lot of our employees are people who ascribe to a particular faith uh, and many interfaith sessions. These things uh, were facilitated um, and very much because a lot of people still had to come to work. Um, And what I hope is that for, you know, across industries, people prioritize um, connecting, which doesn't have to be in person, but Uh, making the time and space and format for people to continue to be able to connect uh, and work together. Uh, If we don't do that, then I think we'll see a lot of uh, negative outcomes uh, related to that.
1: Doctor, thank you. I appreciate uh, you and your service and the work in the community. Um, Thanks for taking a few minutes to chat with us.
0: Thanks, Sam. I appreciate it. One thing Dr. El-Nahal said that really stuck with me is that leadership can't hide in a time of crisis. People look to their leaders for guidance, for comfort, and for a sense of confidence. But that doesn't mean that we have to have all the answers. Being a great leader isn't about always having the right one. There's a lot of times there is no right answer, especially in the moment we're in today. It's about having that humility Dr. El-Nahal talked about and being courageous and honest enough to admit to your team when you don't know something about being honest as a communicator and being there for your people every day especially during a time of crisis I always love having guests from Newark on the pod and I hope you all enjoyed this conversation with Dr. Nahal as much as I did it's truly an integral part of our Newark community and our New Jersey community and someone all leaders can learn a lot from if you like this episode of the pod then subscribe to bring it in and check back for new episodes next week we have some awesome guests lined up for you so stay tuned now back to work